Well, good morning. We are grateful that you are here. We say that every Sunday, basically, but I want you to know I'm thankful that you are here. You're an encouragement to me. We're all an encouragement to each other, and we're thankful for this time that we can spend together in worship and also in fellowship. We're especially thankful to our visitors. We have a few in our audience this morning. We're grateful that you're here. Another thing that we often try to say is if you have a question about anything you observe in our service or anything that you hear from our teaching or our pulpit, then by all means, ask a question and give us a chance to answer that from the Word of God. But we are thankful that you're in our presence as well today. A few items of housekeeping to clear out of the way before we get into the lesson. I appreciate Robert mentioning Trey. I had to apologize to Trey and Jenny. I asked him earlier last week if I could you know, let everyone know that, that Trey had had COVID or does have COVID and was struggling a little bit and could use some prayers. And then I totally forgot to announce it on Wednesday night. So, But I checked with Jenny last night, and she said he's improving a little bit day by day. And so far, she's not had any symptoms. So we're thankful for that and want to continue to remember them. Let me just say again that we hope that you will be with us again at 2.30 this afternoon for the teen singing. Yes, it says teen in the name and teen singing, but it's for anyone who would like to come. And I would also just give a housekeeping note, a reminder here, if you signed up to bring something, uh, please do that. If you forgot this morning to bring it with you, that's okay. You have a little bit of time. But if you signed up to bring uh, cookies or desserts or drinks, uh, please be sure and help us with that. We look forward to having uh, several here this afternoon, and certainly we'd like for you to be a part of that. It is part of what inspired the lesson this morning, of course, is the idea of singing, and so we look forward to a good afternoon. Let me say one other thing about our afternoon or evening services. It may take us a while to understand what to call it exactly, but we are uh, thankful for our elders and their consideration of that. Uh, one of the reasons that's been shared, of course, uh, as we've looked at this, is the idea of our, some of our older folks who can't get out in the evening uh, being able to be back with us and maybe come at 1.30 when it's uh, still light outside. I'd like to put forth another idea for you. There are a lot of us who would love to have a lunch here on Sunday afternoon, uh, right after services. If you're interested in that, then plan to stay. Uh, it would kind of be like a potluck, probably. Uh, you're welcome to go eat if you'd like to. We'll have a couple hours, of course. Uh, unless Brian sings too many songs or Charles has too many announcements, I'll have us out of here at 1130. Don't you worry. Uh, the preaching won't be too long. But we'll try to be out of here by 1130. Uh, you have a couple of hours if you want to drive up to Saudi Daisy or even into Hickson and get some lunch and come back. That's fine. If you'd like to run into Saudi Daisy and get you some food and bring it back and eat it here at the building, that's fine. If you'd like to bring your own food, kind of like a potluck style again, and stay for an afternoon, one benefit of this would not only be more folks getting able to stay, but there is a, a two-hour gap there that we see a possibility that we can have some fellowship as well and enjoy a meal together. And so whether you go get your own or bring it back or kind of bring it as we sometimes do with meals, then we'd like to encourage you with that. may say more about that in the coming days and weeks, um, but we've just put, kind of put that out there because some folks say well I don't want to go home or it's too far or, or all these things well maybe we can not only have uh, that more people stay for our worship but also strengthen our congregation with some time of fellowship so keep that in mind as well you know music is a part of our lives and some of you may say well I'm not a musician I'm not a singer I'm, I'm not very good at singing I never picked up an instrument but music is a part of our lives for most of us music or some type of song plays a lot into big moments in our lives. You think about maybe some people would say, well, the first song we heard on our first date, 
Or maybe the song that was playing the first time that you spied your future spouse uh, across the room or across the way. And, and for many of you, then that song then turns into a song that was in your wedding. You know, there are a lot of songs that are in our, our wedding ceremonies that are important to us and, and mean something to us. And so then we hear it later and it kind of brings up good memories, hopefully, for us. And on the other side, sometimes we think about a funeral. Sometimes there are songs, and, and there are songs, and I'm speaking for myself as much as anyone, but there are songs sometimes that we may never be able to sing again without a tear in our eye or, or becoming emotional because that song was in the funeral of a loved one maybe, and it's important to us. We even kind of go out and just into our lives in general. You think about the movies that we see. There are certain songs that all it takes is the first couple of notes, and you know that's associated with a particular movie or a particular moment in a movie. And, and I say this, as we are going to talk about singing this morning, I know that one drawback to this lesson or encouraging people to sing more is mo some people say, I'm just not a good singer. But I don't know if I've ever pulled up next to any of you in the car on the highway, but we pulled up next to somebody on Saturday who was just getting it in their car, just singing, right? So I have a feeling most of you sing at one time or another, whether you're in a public assembly such as that or whether you think you're alone in your car and you're nodding your head and singing at the top of your lungs and you don't think anybody's observing you. But one thing we do is, is we'll, we'll sing there and we'll give it our all at home and we're cleaning the house and we've got music going, but we come inside these walls into this building and it's it's zip you know we, we get real quiet we don't want to sing anymore so what about singing again this lesson is kind of inspired by thinking about our teen singing this afternoon and how much our young people love to sing and the opportunity that we'll have not only today but of course this lesson is going to go much further as we think about our worship together all the time or as we sing praises to God but first let's notice this morning as we begin that in the New Testament when believers gather together, they very often sing. In the New Testament, when believers gather together, they sing. Now, in every single instance, when we look through the book of Acts or other, other passages, not every single time, but I found a list of at least nine, nine out of nine, excuse me, nine out of nine times that the idea of music is involved in the New Testament, there is a mention of singing. I'll just give you a couple of them. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 30. You may not have time to turn to all of these. I hope that you try to follow along in your Bible, but if you like to take notes, you can certainly jot excuse me, jot these down and maybe look at them later. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Jesus is involved here. He's just instituted the Lord's Supper. He's going to the garden to pray and be betrayed. And what's he doing? Well, with the group that's assembled together, they're singing. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25. Paul and Silas are in prison. I mean, they're in jail. They're not enjoying a nice, lovely Sunday afternoon dress or Sunday morning dressed in their best and coming to a building to worship. They're in prison. Acts 16 and verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. We see the words of Paul encouraging these churches, these congregations that he's writing to. You know these passages, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 19 or Ephesians 5 19 as well as Colossians 3 16 that's two of the more uh, famous passages we might say that we think about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord or Colossians 3 16 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Now you would think that if Paul is writing to these early churches, these first congregations, they're going to be assembling and he is encouraging them to be singing. A couple of more. Hebrews chapter 2 in verse number 12. In the midst of the church I will sing praise unto thee. And also James chapter 5 in verse 13. Is anyone among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. We might say that in whatever state we're in, we should be praying and we should probably also be singing. But when we look back to what Christians, believers have been doing for a couple of thousand of years now, when they gather together, they're singing. They're singing praises unto God. Now, the other thing about this thing, this, this statement that we would notice is that it says in the New Testament. Because very often people say, when we talk about our singing or our worship, well, you know, David used instruments. Or they go back to the Old Testament to point things out. But we are New Testament believers. People living in the New Covenant. We sometimes call this dispensation the Christian age. We see that when Christ died on the cross and the old law was done away with, there were a lot of things that were omitted, right? The burning of incense, we don't do that today. I very often say that I'm thankful that we don't have to have a blood sacrifice up here this morning, that I don't have to get involved with that per se. The vessels that were very important to the temple and even the instruments that maybe they used at one time. We are New Testament believers gathering together and we are going to sing. So let's think this morning then at least about five things here. What singing is or notice some characteristics of our singing that might help us or encourage us to to be better singers. Now, I'm not going to help you with the notes or maybe the tune or anything like that, although I would also point out that might be one thing we can do on Sunday afternoons, or it might be one thing that we can do as we come back together at 1.30 is have some period of singing or learning new songs. That might be of encouragement if you just say, well, I'm a bad singer and I want to be a better singer. But let's think about, of course, our attitude and our heart and think about what singing is. Number one, singing is to praise God. We might could end it there, but singing is to praise God. Psalm chapter 98 and verse 4, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Those psalms are, the psalmists are constantly referencing singing to God. I know we just said that we're New Testament people, but we do see that for time, for all of time so far here on this earth, that man has been singing to God. Psalm 59 and verse 17, to you, my strength, I will sing praises. These psalmists had this connection with God and very often it came because they were singing to praise him. Psalm 75 and verse 9, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. Psalm 104 and verse 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And even Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, we didn't mention this a moment ago, it's one of the New Testament passages, but Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, what is that sacrifice? We're going to come back to sacrifice in a minute. But offer the sacrifice of praise continually, that is, the fruit 
of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You see, we have an opportunity to praise God, to let him know what we think of him. I don't mean to be irreverent, and I don't know that it necessarily is, or to, to bring the illustration down too far, but, but let me remind you, we began with an illustration by saying that very often our connection with music has to do with our first love, or with our first date, or with our wedding, or something like that. We use these songs written by someone else to tell someone that we love what we think about them. And how much we love them. We should be doing the same with our words to God. Praising Him. You see, singing is praising God. We're going to talk through almost every single point this morning about the fact that it's not always about the beauty, although we're thankful for that. But it's about our words praising Him. Letting Him know how thankful we are to Him for who He is and what He has done for us. Singing is praise to God. Number two, singing is also a way to preach and teach. You know, the songs that are chosen are not always or only chosen to be sort of peppy or happy or for a certain mood, but very often they're chosen to teach. Now, yes, from a musical standpoint, thinking about notes and tune and harmony, sometimes they are happy. Sometimes they are very peppy, they, they sort of encourage us in a way, but they're also written in such a fashion with the words that they can preach and teach. We've already used it once, but Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, and before he mentions the idea of psalms, hymns, or spiritual songs, Paul would write by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, teaching. Teaching and admonishing one another. It is certainly a way that we can teach others. You know, I, I share this share this with you before, but but I was what we sometimes call raised in the church, right? I, I've been in church services all my life, but that is not necessarily good or bad. But one thing that it causes me to do is I sometimes think in my mind what it's like for someone to walk through those doors and sit down, having never been in a worship service and listening to what we do and what they're thinking. Does it sound bad? Does it sound good? Are they curious what we're doing? It's an opportunity to teach. And through the words, which we should absolutely pay attention to, to learn something. Now, yes, if you're like me and you were so-called raised attending church services, then sometimes you sing them so much that you kind of lose the teaching aspect. You know what's coming. But yes, they are there to preach and to teach to others. Let me give you one other reference, Philippians chapter 2. Those who are in my Wednesday night class are tired of hearing about this passage because we've talked about it for a while now. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Or you might even grab verse 5, verse 5 through 11. We sometimes call this the Messiah poem. It's about Jesus being the humbled and exalted Christ. And sometimes we look to memorize scripture. And we'll talk about John 3, 16. We'll talk about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, or something like that. But I would challenge you, if you're looking for something to memorize, to help you with Scripture, go look at Philippians 2, 6 through 11. The humbled and exalted Christ, exactly who Jesus was, what he came to do, and what we think of him, and how we should be like him. It's a great poem or psalm, we might say. It may be written to a tune already. It may be in some form, not in its exact wording here, 
but it may be in some kind of form in a song already, but it would be great to write it to a tune so that we could then sing it and be reminded and teach others about who Christ is. This would be a great passage to turn to. It is a way to teach others. And let me remind you of this. We do this with our children all the time, right? Why is it that you're probably more familiar with anything else from the Sermon on the Mount? Why is it that you're most familiar with the wise and the foolish builders? It's because every time you think about the wise and foolish builders, you can't do it without starting to do this, you know, with your hands. Because we teach our children through song. We sometimes teach ourselves through song. And we definitely have an opportunity to teach others with our songs. It is a way to preach and teach. And we need to be encouraged by that as we think about our singing. Number three, singing is a spiritual sacrifice. A spiritual sacrifice sacrifice 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15 1 Corinthians 14 15 I will sing with the spirit there's a mentioning a mention there of this idea of the spirit of our spirit Ephesians 5 19 that we've referenced as well already also Ephesians 5 19 says that we're singing spiritual songs when we sing together we are engaged in a spiritual activity you see we joke sometimes about the sermon maybe the one part that everybody wishes would hurry up and get get over with but for some people maybe it's the singing you know I don't sing very much I don't sing very well I wish we'd just sing one verse of each song and be done I'm ready for it to be over but our singing is one way in which we offer our sacrifice to God we are making a spiritual offering to God and we should take it seriously I say, and I say it jokingly, I said it already, but, but I'm thankful we don't bring a, an animal up here, a, a goat or a lamb, and have to offer that and have all this blood sacrifice and things. I'm thankful for that, but there, that is a literal sacrifice which you could observe and maybe even partake in and we could do together. Instead, what we do now, because it's not required that we offer that blood sacrifice, but as we offer the fruit of our lips, we sing. So what happens, though, is some people say, well, that's not me, that's not my thing. My family, we've never been very musical. I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about that. But our singing is a spiritual sacrifice, and we absolutely should take it seriously and think about that. You know, so often, so often much of our worship time together, our assembly and our worship is, is passive for you, for sitting in the audience, right? Someone stands here and prays, and maybe you listen. Someone stands here and talks about the Lord's Supper and the communion and tries to guide our thoughts, but you're sitting there quietly and you're listening. The preacher is talking and you're sitting there quietly and you're listening. Singing is one time that we together do something jointly and offer a spiritual sacrifice to him. Yes, I hope that you're connected with all aspects of our worship. I hope that you're listening to the prayers or praying your own or you're thinking about Christ during the Lord's Supper or all these other things, that you're connected during the sermon and listening. But singing is a chance for us to offer our sacrifice to him. Which leads us to our next point, which is that singing is something that everyone can do. As we just said, many times our other acts are led by someone. One person stands here and kind of leads or, or speaks, but we can all sing think about it God could have chosen anything I reckon right I mean he could have he could have done anything could have said whatever he wanted for us to worship him he could have told us uh, any any number of things 
But he didn't choose and simply say that it has to be the best singers. He didn't say, well, you know what? You better, get, you better have tryouts. You know, you have to have tryouts the first of every year, and only the best singers get to then stand up and, and sing before everyone. He also didn't choose a passive activity in which everyone just sits there and does nothing, or we all stare at each other for a few minutes or anything like that. Yeah, we do have some things where we sit passively and listen, but he chose a physical activity, an activity, something that we can do together. And it's something that everyone can do. And I want to put a pin there because we're going to come back to that in just a moment as we have a few questions for ourselves. But then here, finally, singing promotes unity. Singing promotes unity. When the church with one voice, glorifies God together. We express and show our oneness, our unity together. We have talked even recently about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, specifically verse number 10. Paul says there, and I was thinking about that even this morning. Paul says there, speak the same thing. Well, what are we doing when we're singing? We are quite literally speaking the same thing. Now, yes, I would submit for your thinking that in context here, Paul is talking about a broader sense, right? Generally, that we are united, that we speak the same thing when it comes to the Bible and our worship and all these things. But is singing not the one time that we explicitly and quite literally all speak the same thing? How do we get unity? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our elders, our pastors who serve here and guide our congregation. And we said that they help us by providing unity in decisions and the things they say and do and for this congregation. But I would also submit for your thinking, but when we are worshiping together, we can have unity when we are singing the words and we're singing together with one voice glorifying God. Now, it's not to say that we're not when we mess up the words, because we all mess up the words sometimes, right? But we do sing the same thing, and it gives us a common identity, and it gives us a solidarity, knowing that we are together and working together to praise God. This congregation, for that time or this time, whenever it is, singing together promotes unity. Now, as we conclude this morning, I want to ask this question and put forth a few things for you to consider, maybe to make a little more application. You may be saying, this is a great lesson, preacher. I got it. We sing all the time. But what can I do? Well, the first thing you can do is, yes, you have to participate. You know, the other question that people sometimes have is, is do I have to? Our kids ask us that, but sometimes we turn it around as adults, right, even to God. Do I have to? Yes, participate. Let me ask you this. Can you talk? I mean, when we're done in just a minute, uh, the amen is said and we walk out those doors, are you going to talk to somebody? Uh, Chances are that you are, so then you can communicate. Then you can sing, quote unquote. You can sing. As we said earlier, it's not about the beauty of the singing. I know that it's intimidating sometimes, right? Maybe you sit near someone who does have a beautiful voice, someone who can sing very well. So it's intimidating then to try to sing out a little bit. But it's not about the beauty, though we are thankful that God has blessed us with the knowledge and the understanding of music and notes and harmony, that it can be beautiful. But it's about the words. It's about the words that we are singing. And if you can speak, if you can communicate with words, then you can sing. Let me ask you another question. 
why don't we just hum the whole time? Why is it that we just don't hum all the notes together? Well, because that wouldn't be praising God. That wouldn't be encouraging one another with the words. God says, well, that's, that's a great noise, but what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to say to me? So we use our words. It's not about the beauty. It's about the words. And if you can speak and communicate with words, then you can sing. You don't have to be the loudest. You don't have to be the most boisterous. I, you know, I was thinking, I don't know how many of you enjoy musicals or, or plays or things like that, but you think about those people, if you see them close up, you know, their mouths are, are wide open. It's a very large face. They're very expressive. You don't have to be the biggest, you know, face and boisterous when you're singing. You don't have to be the loudest. But yes, you need to participate. What can you do? Well, if it's a struggle for you, you feel like you don't sing the best or maybe you feel uncomfortable, what can you do? You can simply participate. You can begin by singing because it is encouraging to others. I think about sometimes we do look around. You know, we shouldn't get distracted necessarily with other things going on around us. But sometimes we do glance around and it's discouraging sometimes to see someone who seems to have no interest in singing or offering, offering praise to God. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes maybe they're sick. Sometimes something else is going on, which is a good reason not to get too distracted or caught up in what others are doing. Sometimes there may be a reason, but sometimes we can tell when somebody just doesn't want to, when they're hoping that part of the service will get over as soon as possible. And so we could all do our best by participating. Again, not the loudest, not the biggest expressive face when you're doing it, but you can let others know and we can all raise our voices to God in song. You can be prepared. You know, we ask our song leaders to plan ahead and to plan accordingly. We ask them to, to be prepared ahead of time. That keeps us fresh, so to speak. I don't know if that's the best way to kind of communicate that, but it keeps us moving or thinking about these things if they prepare. It allows us to not sing the same songs over and over and over again. Sometimes song leaders will have their favorite list and they just pull it out at the last minute. Well, we'll sing that. Well, you know, then we're always kind of feel like we're stuck in a rut even with our songs. We ask our song leaders to plan ahead, to not repeat the same things and to plan accordingly. But what about us? What about you? Are you prepared? Now, once again, I'm not asking us to join together in the lobby and all do vocal exercises and make sure our vocal cords are warmed up. But are you prepared to offer a spiritual sacrifice in song? To think about the words that you are singing and to praise God in that way. And then, of course, finally, we might offer up Colossians 3, not 16, but verse 17. Do you remember what comes after Colossians 3, 16? And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do. Now, we take that often and we extrapolate that out when we leave this building. We say whatever you do at work or in the ballpark or at the gym or in the grocery store, whatever you do as you're going, but that's whatever you do. When you come in this building and you're prepared to worship, hopefully prepared to worship, are you doing all that you do in the name of the Lord Jesus? That should involve our prayers. That should involve our giving, our participating and partaking of the Lord's Supper, and yes, it should involve our singing. What can you do? You can sing. It helps me. Hopefully it helps you. It makes sure that we're all connected with the worship service, and more than that, we are praising God. 
We may not feel that we are the best. And let me just say this. We may not be. I mean, you know, there's some people who think they are the best. Some of us say, well, we're not the best. And guess what? We're absolutely not. You know, myself included. We're not the best singer. We may not have the most beautiful tone, but we can praise the God of heaven with our words. And we can sing. We very often enjoy periods of singing here together. We did so before the pandemic started with our brethren in North Hamilton. As I said, maybe we can get back to that in the future. Maybe that's something we can think about doing as we think about our afternoon services beginning soon enough. But participating in song, learning new songs, maybe, yes, even trying to improve our vocals and our ability to sing. But without a doubt, above all that, paying attention to the words and offering our praise and our sacrifice to God. As we conclude this lesson this morning, maybe you're here and you're not a child of God. You see, the problem with singing then is that you're not connected with God as being a part of the church. You're not a child of God. So we are about to sing a song that through its words, I say that, but I don't mean it just, you know, throwing it out there. I mean that through its words, the song that's been selected that you might consider your relationship with God, that you would think about becoming a child of God if you are not one, even this morning and in this moment. Have you been gospel obedient, putting on Christ in baptism, allowing his blood to wash away your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church? If we're not careful, sometimes we rush through this, and as we try to often say, if you have any questions, more than we can say in these few moments together here, let us know. If you would like to talk about this slide, if you would like to talk about the verses, we would study with you as soon as possible. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. We'll be singing to encourage you that through the words of the song that's been selected, you might seek first the kingdom of God. You might become a Christian, even this day. Or maybe you're here, but you've wandered away. You put on Christ in baptism before, but you've struggled to remain faithful. Maybe it's through our worship. Maybe your worship's been lackluster and not what it should have been, but maybe it's something else that's amiss in your life. We're thankful for this opportunity again to sing to encourage you to become faithful. If you need to come forward in a public sense and, and speak with one of our elders, they'll be here at the front to talk with you. We would love to pray with you and for you to help you, strengthen you in your Christian walk. Because we all want to be in heaven together, singing praises to God. Hopefully we can enjoy that here and even now as we're about to sing this song to encourage you to become a Christian or come back to him. Even now as we stand together and as we sing.